Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, this month on the podcast, we have Kay Satterfield, who's on our pastoral team joining us, and also Father Brent Otto, who is my brother, and he's a PhD candidate in the Bay Area, and he's also a former staff member of Ignatius House. So it's good to have you back, Brent. We uh, had you, I think, a long time ago when we were live streaming this, right? Thank you. It's good to be back. It was um, going on two years ago, and it was hope in community, I think. Mm. Listen in the listen to the archives for that one. Well, our topic this month we're continuing our more explicit Ignatian themes uh, as we uh, continue to slowly round out the Ignatian year and the 500th anniversary of uh, Ignatius's conversion and his cannonball moment. And the topic of this month is is co-laboring. And this theme comes from Ignatius's own life and experience with God and his commitment to. Christ's call and mission, but it also comes out of the spiritual exercises where we are invited into this mission to co-labor and work side by side with Jesus. And it's an interesting image that may be new for some people, this idea of being being a companion or a co-worker with Jesus, where Jesus is not necessarily grasping at his divinity, but working side by side. So it's an interesting image and and maybe as a way to start, Brent and Kay, as we think about this idea of laboring in the vineyard and so on and, and Christian service, how does our image of God and how we see God or, or how we understand Jesus affect the way that we express our Christian service and live out the gospel? I think we, we know God by what we, we see um, Jesus doing. And the gospel, you know, our image of Jesus is shown in, and played out in, in his actions. And, and the image of God is as merciful, seeing into our hearts, knowing our hearts. God is love. Jesus says, I'm gentle and tender hearted. And the image of God who wants, uh, wants us to serve each other, especially those most in need. So there's also the God seeing God as, as generous. Three Kings Day um, was yesterday, and I was thinking about a card, a Christmas card I used to send. Uh, and I, I sent it out the year I was doing the spiritual exercise to retreat in daily life. And we were laying in the, in the depiction, the picture of the card was three kings laying gifts at the feet of, of the baby Jesus. And that, that image really struck me as to what gifts you know, I wish to give and lay at the feet of, of God. And we have the privilege of working directly in ministry, but I think everyone's called to identify their gifts and build on them in order to build the kingdom of God here and now. So it's kind of that, that love of our prayer, the prayer kind of going outward. You know, I think for me, um, when when I when I uh, first heard this question, it brought me back to something my novice master would ask us at regular intervals. He'd say something like, "Who are you meeting in prayer? Are you meeting the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit? You know, like who is more present to you within the Holy Trinity?" And <clears throat> I have to say, when I was a novice, it kind of struck me as a strange question because I think by that point my image of God was very much centered on Jesus. 
and the sense of my being uh, in relationship with him as, as a, a friend or companion. Um, but then when I think about it, and as I also reflect on, you know, experience of spiritual direction and giving retreats, people have some really, really different images of God that they operate with. And oftentimes they haven't thought much about it. It's just sort of like a given. Um, they've assumed it somehow along the way of their growing up. And, and it's pretty deeply imprinted. And it also just reflects their personality. And it has been sometimes a struggle for me when I encounter somebody in the context of like spiritual direction or a retreat who has really never related to God in the person of Jesus. And so their image of God may be very, therefore, uh, very distant, that God is kind of up there and that our job is to kind of figure out what God wants us to do, but not a God that really is inviting us to, to walk closely together or to co-labor, you know, with us and in, in this life, drawing us into, into something like that. But, you know, it's, uh, I, I've kind of learned to be very sensitive toward the particular image of God a person has, inviting them at one at, at, in one sense to, to be open to the fact that no image of God that we have completely totalizes what God wants for us and who God can be for us. But at the same time, knowing that each person's way of imaging God is, is sacred. It's part of their story, their makeup, who they are. This idea of co-laboring really conveys this kind of intimacy that I think for many takes time to develop, this sort of intimate image of God, which is, I think, what Ignatius is, is trying to help take, you know, foster, or take shape as, as one even goes through the exercises. Um, and, you know, I, as a married person, I think of, I think of my spouse, right, as this image that we are also co-laboring, we're sharing in the same mission. And when Sarah and I do our marriage prep, we, we always talk about how, you know, a couple is not, it's not this image where the couple is looking at each other, facing each other, which is kind of how we sort of see that and see marriage in popular culture. But no, we're shoulder to shoulder journeying in the same direction, right? Same mission, same heading to the same horizon. And so with Jesus, I think maybe the popular culture image is, well, we're a follower. So we're behind Jesus. We're just walking along uh, behind him. I love how Ignatius is really, I think, trying to get us to see us as walking side by side. Like I said, he's Jesus isn't isn't clinging to his power. It's a working together in the mission and not not getting caught up, I would say, in the the religious hierarchy that that many of us perhaps grow up with. Doesn't dismiss the reverence for Christ, but it's this intimate friendship. You know, that that word friendship Ignatius uses. Well, Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden light, you know, and this yoke of this idea, this imagery he's giving of, of the, the two going, walking together. It's kind of like we're, we're, we're working together, partnering as a partner. But I think there's also, I mean, I know for myself, there's trust involved. 
And Jesus also said that I am the vine and you are the branch. So we have to remember and trust that we're connected. Mm. We're connected to this source intimately, as you were saying, and inviting, inviting God, inviting Jesus into the work, inviting, you know, into your marriage, inviting grace into whatever you feel called to do. Andy, you, a while back, you, you mentioned this. You said something like, uh, you know, what's, what's really important is that the intimacy with God, that our image of God leads us to. And with respect to image, for me, I think an intimacy with Jesus and imaging God as Jesus is how I reached that sense of intimacy with God. But other people I find, you know, sometimes it's through their experience of God and nature or a real deep sensitivity to their own inner movements and, and feelings that, that that becomes not so much an image, but it's the locus where they, mm. it's a meeting, it's the, it's the, it's the means and the meeting place where, where that intimacy with God is forged. But for me, I, I, we can't orchestrate this. We, I think we can be open, open to how that intimacy with God, and then from it, co-laboring in the mission of Christ unfolds. But we can't orchestrate it. Just think of my own college, and I was in India on a fellowship for a year. And I, I would say it was in the first couple of months, as I was adjusting to a country I'd never been to traveling alone for an extended period for the first time that I think I really had my first very deep intimate experience of of Jesus walking with me walking with him somehow he wanted to be in my project <laughs> mm. just as I as a Christian all my life wanted to be a, explicitly or 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 otherwise wanted to be a part of Christ project, you know, but it just came to me one day as I was walking from one place to another, that Jesus was actually putting his foot down one after another next to me on the, on the pavement. And uh, it was just this very physical, even sense of like being on the way together. So I think there's like, there's just a lot of mystery in how, how, this kind of thing comes to us, this kind of intimacy with God from which we can then take the stance of, of co-laboring. Well, I think that that was a beautiful example of what it is to be a contemplative in action mm -hmm. in this sense. I, you were talking about, you know, just being in nature. I know that that's a draw for me and making that connection. But, you know, those, those 20 or 30 minutes of of daily prayer as a foundation, however you find it, can help us to grow in an awareness of that finding God in all things, being attentive to the graces of the day. It just kind of builds on itself and wanting to then recognize, I guess, I guess it's the, sort of the recognition of, of God uh, from that foundation of, of prayer. And you have those moments of grace where you can recognize that that you're not alone in it, whatever it is. And then the, then there's this generosity of heart, hopefully, that you want to give from that, from your experiences of prayer and wanting to give out into the world. 
Yeah, being a contemplative in action is not, it's not a passive relationship, right? It's a, it's an active one where, you know, it's, it's I, I do love that, that in, sort of that intimacy with nature, right? It, there's a, there's a poetry to it. Certainly at Ignatius House, how many people, Kay and Brent, talk about the grounds and just being in communion with God in the sounds of the birds and the rustling of the leaves and, and things like that. There's this, there's this intimacy, but what it moves them to is to change their lives in some way. So they, you know, even our, our mission at Ignatius house really is to, to provide this space to, f to foster and facilitate one's intimate relationship with God so they can go out and then live and act and bring God into the world. This re def definitely requires some, openness and humility and, and honesty, really like any kind of intimate relationship. So it's far from, it is far from passive. You know, I, um, when I think of um, co-laboring with, uh, with God or with Jesus, I think of how Jesus called his disciples. And then in the spiritual exercises, how Ignatius, you know, puts it in the call of the king, because he analogizes the the call to discipleship to the call of the uh, call of a very good king you know as opposed to some of the bad kings that we or metaphorically or, or historically or um, or in actuality we know about you know and you know, for me I um well I think that the crux of it is that the call of a king is appealing because it's like I'm gonna do we're gonna do this together it's an it's an image of a vision of something that we can create the kingdom of god you know that can come into into being and we're we're, we're joining this 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 great enterprise with with a leader who's going to labor with us you know and it's it's and going to be at the front lines and in the trenches and so forth one of the ways that i i saw that manifest in my own life was when i was sent to Jamaica to work for six months in a in a school, and the, I arrived just a day before the beginning of the term, and a new principal arrived also that same day, and her kind of address to the whole faculty on the faculty day before the students were to arrive was was to me this very palpable, compelling kind of call of the king, if you will. Mm. And I felt this energy in myself. And even though it was a brand new place, I didn't know much of anything. And I felt it in, in the teachers around me, like, yes, we're part of something very good. And we can be even better. And we're going to do this together. And we have this, this, this great leader who is so enthusiastic, and loves us, and, and is going to draw us forward. I told her about that later. She, she kind of was embarrassed by that issue. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's true. You know, um, other people have that experience of her. Um, what stands out for me personally with the call of the king is it's, it's a call not only to the mission, but to everything that comes with it, including poverty, humiliation, suffering, and the, all the things that brought Jesus to the cross and his own disciples and apostles to their, to their own various forms of, of suffering. And I see that as a, again, a, just a part of a love relationship or a commitment to a love relationship that I am so signed on to this project 
and this co-laborer, this person, specifically Jesus, that I'm willing to experience everything that my co-worker is experiencing. And again, I use the metaphor of marriage, right? We're an authentic marriage that you're willing to experience even poverty for the sake of something greater. And that's that's a hard commitment. I think that takes time. You know, when I originally prayed with the call of the king, I think I saw it as just sort of this excitement for the mission and everything. The relationship part came later for me. And so the commitment for me to Jesus and his project deepened over time. Well, yeah, I think I agree that uh, if you say yes to marriage, you say yes to children, you know, it's the whole bag and you're, you're saying yes to this commitment. But initially, there is this energy and desire. You were mentioning Brent and Andy of of excitement and that's the Holy spirit. I mean, that's the initial drawing in, but it, it is the big, it is the whole picture that maybe you're saying yes to, you don't maybe like Mary realize until later, you know, what, what it is that you're doing, but you're, you're, if your heart's, you're trying to do follow your heart and knowing that God, God is going to be there with you. And, and all that you're being called to do and and growing trust in that. But I think we are, um, it's not something that we do alone, And but we're a community of faith, hopefully, that we encourage and support one another. Well, service is, is right there in the principle and foundation, right? That um, not in, not in a, a sense of servitude, but really in this, in this sense of co-laboring that we have a we have a God who isn't just calling the shots, but a God that actually does the work, not just the vineyard owner, but the vineyard owner is actually in the, in the trenches and, and planting and harvesting and so on. Imagining, you know, Jesus washing the feet and how mm. we're supposed to wash each other's feet. Yeah. I call you friends, right? Not slaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing we don't talk a lot about is when, when Ignatius talks about making a colloquy at the end of prayer, you know, having a conversation with, with Jesus he does say to speak as one friend speaks to another or as a servant speaks to a master. And that caught me up because we don't talk much about that, um, that, it, that Ignatius gives a, an additional image of God in addition to, or of Jesus in addition to friend. And I remember, I think it was Peter Fink saying at one time that it, uh, it really is more of sort of... Um, you know, Don Quixote sort of image where it's like you're, you're companions on the journey. You're, you're a, a helper. Sancho, right? There's not necessarily a full equality, a dynamic of e- a perfect equality, but that um, doesn't take away the idea of um, being companions and helpers to one another in the mission. And that's very helpful because the paradigm of friendship uh applied to our relationship with God, it has its limits because, well, maybe if we take the idea of very realistic friendship, which is not all all happy, happy all the time, or all very close and intimate, there are times of absence and, and distance and having to be apart 
or not understanding moments of not understanding one another. That's all like that's in any human relationship. There are those those elements. But I think sometimes maybe we just idealize friendship with God as something that needs to be or would be constantly very in a very felt sense, close and intimate. But it has its gaps because like and also after all, even if we are co-laboring with God, there are going to be moments when we feel like, I just don't understand what you're doing, God. And um, I don't get it. And that's where I think the sort of the servant speaking to the master image is, is is a good one. Because in the end, we don't know as much about mm. what's what's happening or what's going to happen. And we do need to take our cues from from the Lord. That's good. But it's yeah. a, it is that kind of relationship where even the master it cares about what the servant, what the companion has to say, you know. Jesus wants our input, wants to know what we think, what our desires mm-hmm. are, how we can play a part in this mission. So there's, yeah, it's not this just, I'm just passively following, but I am mm-hmm. communing and communicating with Jesus in this. He cares about what I have to say. Yeah. There will be times of dryness. And we have to kind of walk, just being faithful to, to the, to the walk, not always knowing. So I do understand that. And then the, there's the deeper trust that may come in there. I mean, maybe it's our own need for growth in some way or shape or form. That's part of part of the distance that we may feel. But um, and then we stay the course, right? Yeah. As, as Ignatius says, if you're if you're not in consolation, you don't make any big change. Hmm. Well, that's why this yeah. re- does require ongoing discernment, even in this relationship. That in any kind of relationship requires ongoing discernment and listening and paying attention to one another, one another's needs, where you're at. So, I mean, that's the spiritual life is just this continuous journey. We're never quite there, right? Yeah, but yeah, we're 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 friends. You know, it's a friendship. Hopefully, that image of ongoing friendship and wanting to grow in that over a lifetime and be open to what how we're called to give and share. And we are a work in progress constantly. I think it's being patient with ourselves in that, too. And the image that comes to mind is the is the Emmaus story, right, where the disciples are they're they're walking with Jesus he, you know, they're having a conversation and then they break bread together, right? Companion means with bread. So there's, I, that story is lovely because they're, they're listening to Jesus and Jesus is listening to them, right? Jesus starts with a question. What are you talking about? What's happening? Haven't you heard, you know? And then Jesus talks the scripture, talks scripture with them. And then they share a meal and what does that move them to? To action, to share the good news, to t- talk to tell the other other apostles and so on. Um, it's also from fear to hope. Mm-hmm. Also movement from their fear and not knowing to hope and the way forward. Well, Kay and Brent, thank you so much for this enriching conversation. I appreciate it. And, and Brent, thank you for being a guest again two years later. <laughs>
Thank you very much. I appreciate being here very much. And I, I always pray for Ignatius House and all of you and all the ministries and everyone who comes on retreat or listens to these podcasts. Um, a part of my heart made its permanent home, I think. You're always welcome to come back, Brent. We're always I look forward to the next opportunity. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. My pleasure to right. be a part. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at ignatiushouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always. <laughs>